It was a deadly holiday weekend with thugs and degenerates running rampant, but don't worry, the Democrats have an infringement to add for every law and social norm they refuse to enforce. I'll get into it. Then, Officer Brandon Tatum joins me to break down Trump's latest attacks on, well, everybody. The show starts now. It was a bloody Memorial Day weekend in America, but since blaming white supremacy would be quite the stretch given the perpetrators, the Democrats who were hell-bent on a lenient and lawless society will blame you, law-abiding gun owners. But before we get to their solutions, let's break down some weekend lowlights. First up, what appears to be a thug free-for-all in Hollywood Beach, Florida, just 20 miles north of Miami. At least nine people were injured, including a one-year-old baby. Apparently, this shooting broke out when two groups got into an altercation that led to a shootout. Police released images of the suspects, and I'm no expert, but these folks appeared to be, well, not white. So Democrats can pass white supremacy on their Monopoly board and skip straight to blame the inanimate object. California Governor Gavin Newsom was hot and ready for that one right out the gate with his tweet taking aim at who he hopes will be his 2024 opponent, Ron DeSantis. Also important to note that Ron DeSantis' permitless carry bill doesn't go into effect until July 1st, so there's that. Oh, and then there's this. According to authorities, five handguns were recovered at the scene, and at least two of them were stolen. One reported stolen from Texas and the other from Miami. I'm not sure which gun infringement Gavin thinks would prevent thugs from stealing firearms, given his state doesn't do much to impede in theft or really crime of any kind, as we well know. And I for damn sure know Gavin isn't about to blame the new Democrat mayor of Chicago, a city with some of the strictest gun laws in the nation for the 53 people shot and 11 killed across that city over the holiday weekend alone. We don't have a gun problem. We have a thug problem, a parenting problem, a fatherlessness problem, and last but not least, a massive leadership problem wherein Democrats and Soros-funded DAs refuse to enforce the laws on the books, like this little doozy right here. LAPD arrested that man for stabbing the neck of a construction worker, nearly killing him. Despite a prison recommendation from the probation department, LADA George Gascon's administration agreed to give him diversion instead. He is now charged with murdering his neighbor just last week. So, Gavi boy, let me make this very clear. If you and your ilk refuse to protect and safeguard decent and law-abiding citizens, I guess we'll have to protect and defend ourselves from the felons, thugs, and degenerates you divert, refuse to prosecute, and refuse to lock up. Still ahead, Trump is going scorched earth on Ron DeSantis, even going after the lovely Kaylee McEnany. So let's dig in with Brandon Tatum next. Folks, we knew the primary battle between Don and Ron was going to get ugly, but Donald Trump has been on one since the DeSantis announcement last week, and I'm not so sure it's landing the way he thinks it's landing. Like this Truth Social post, for example, where he insists New York and Governor Cuomo, the nursing home Grim Reaper, did a better job than DeSantis in Florida, where he moved with his entire family. Or this wild post from just last night where Trump went after his own former press secretary, our very own Kayleigh McEnany. I'm really not sure what the strategy is here beyond just really short-sighted and unbecoming of the man we all expect more from. You know, throw barbs, that's fine, but the nukes at the home team are not only unsettling, but really super unhelpful. Joining me now with his take, host of the Officer Tatum Show and podcast, Brandon Tatum. Brandon, I'm very interested <laughs> to hear your thoughts, especially in the last couple of days. I mean, it seems like our former president is going scorched earth 
on Ron DeSantis. And whereas I think his supporters were cheering it on last week, I'm not so sure they're feeling the same this week. What's your take? Well, I'll tell you what, Tommy, I, I'm tired of it. I don't understand how a man in his 70s cannot overcome the temptation to be petty. It's okay to believe that you're better than Ron DeSantis. You know, I think he has a better chance than Ron DeSantis at this point, but you don't have to throw shots. You don't have to be petty. You don't have to be unprofessional and unbecoming of a president. I, I think that his approach should be very simple. All you do is uplift Ron DeSantis and say how great he is, because therefore, if Ron DeSantis is incredibly great and you're leading him in the polls by 30%, what does that say about you? And then when you talk about Kaylee McEnany, I would argue that she was one of the the most incredible press secretaries to ever do the job. And even if she was turning on Trump or said something that was, you know, against Trump or could have hurt his feelings, you are the adult in the room. You are running for president. Simply say, I love her. Hey, here's some stats that may combat the stats that she put out there. Hey, I know that I'm going to beat Ron DeSantis. It's not even a question. When you come out and be petty and call people nicknames, it is going to, to wear out your base. People cannot defend it for five more years of pettiness. I, I don't understand why he does this. I still like him as number one, but I think his stock is slipping downhill fast. Yeah, that really bothered me last night when I saw him go after Kaylee McEnany for what he said was getting poll numbers wrong. I mean, it's not even as if the girl said anything against Trump or for DeSantis. He just argues that she got the poll numbers slightly off. And the way that he went after her, I mean, it was gruesome. And it was, to me, just really unflattering and unbecoming. And I think a lot of the people that like it when he goes after Ron DeSantis or anybody else for that matter, I think that when they saw him go after Kaylee McEnany, of all people, someone who fiercely defended him all through his first election, his second you know, campaign, I think it turned a lot of people off. But then there's the other half of it, where now he's doing this weird thing where he's trying to say that Governor Cuomo, okay, who sent elderly people to their death in the nursing home during COVID, did a better job than Ron DeSantis when Trump and his entire family moved to Florida during the governorship of Ron DeSantis. Make it make sense, Brandon. I can't. It's impossible. I mean, I don't even think if I was Jesus Christ, I could make this make sense. I mean, Donald Trump, and of course I'm being facetious, but Donald Trump is taking the wrong approach. I was talking to my wife about this this morning. It is very easy for him to say, I'm better than Ron. You don't have to lie. You don't have to say, you don't have to somehow elevate Cuomo to, to professional status when we all know Cuomo did an incredibly poor job. He should probably be held vicariously responsible for the death of the people in his state. I, I don't understand the superfluous arguments that Donald Trump is making when he could just be very succinct and say, I'm better. This is what I'm going to do for America. This is how I stood up for America when I was president. I'm going to get another chance at this and I'm going to dominate instead of just coming up with these fake ideologies. And let me, I'm going to tell you this, this is what bothers me uh, to a certain degree when it comes to Donald Trump. At what point did Ron DeSantis become the bad guy? Right. Because Donald Trump, living in Florida, endorsed Ron DeSantis, told all of us to support him, said he was a great man. All of a sudden, Ron DeSantis is a deep state operative and, and bought and paid for by some of the donors that donated to Donald Trump. I, I, make this make sense to me. I, I don't get it. And I, I don't understand who's talking to Donald Trump. Like, who is in his ear or in his campaign and is telling him, this makes perfect sense for you to say the dumbest things on planet Earth. <laughs> 
and, and act like these people who pushed the vaccine, shut down their state, literally told people that they will lose their jobs if they don't get vaccinated. And, and you're saying that that man did a better job than Ron DeSantis? I, it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me either. And again, we knew that this was going to be a contentious primary battle, but the two need to really convince their supporters because I think that we're really all in the same camp by and large that one or the other has a better chance of winning. That's really all I want to hear from the two of them because I like Trump's policies and I like DeSantis's policies and I like Trump and I like Ron DeSantis. I want to know which one of you is going to get Joe Biden out of that White House or Kamala or Gavin from ever getting in that White House. That's what I want to know. And that's not what I'm hearing from him, which is disappointing to me. But then there's another layer of this, too, that I want to get your thoughts on. So the DeSantis announcement last week, I watched it. I watched through the whole Twitter debacle, not his fault, right? Frustrating. Uh, I watched him then later with Trey Gowdy on Fox News. And I personally was impressed. I thought that he went through policy. I thought that what he was talking about hit home for me as somebody who spent most of my life in middle America and now lives in the South. But a lot of my friends in more of the Trump camp, they're saying that, you know, he was too boring. And I want your perspective on it. Do conservatives, Republicans, Americans want somebody who is entertaining or somebody who's a little bit more professional, a little bit more statesmanlike? What do you think conservatives right now are yearning for? Well, I think that America in in and of itself, I think people in the middle and people who lean more right are they want somebody who can articulate themselves and and, and, and actually tell us how are you going to get us out of this mess? They, I think people are sick of the back and forth and the arguing and all this old uh, crazy stuff that's going on in politics. People are kind of sick of the political stuff. That's why they like Donald Trump in 2016 and also in 2020, because they got sick of these politicians throwing shots and being fake and doing nothing and saying a lot and doing nothing. And so I think America wants something different. You know, I watched Ron DeSantis. Um, I watched his campaign speech and I saw his interview on the, on a Daily Wire with Ben Shapiro. And I felt like he was very professional. He made his points known. He did an incredible job. And this is why I think he's a formidable opponent. One thing that I think America needs to understand or should understand is that there's nothing wrong with competition. There's nothing wrong with people uh, uh, working hard to let us know, we the people, who can do a better job. You don't just get the nomination because of through osmosis. It, you have to work hard for it. You have to prove to us this is our country. You, we don't work. We don't. We, we don't worship a dictatorship. You are not God. You need to work hard. You need to prove that you can do it a second time around. I know that there was nefarious things that happened in 2020, but you lost. So you need to come back with a vengeance and prove yourself to the American people that you can be the nominee that we hope that you could be. And, and I'll say this, too, uh, with Ron DeSantis, I think that people are missing this. My, even my wife is missing this, and I love her to death. And, and every you know, married people know that you may not agree <laughs> on everything. But, if you know, I think people are not paying attention to why Ron DeSantis is running and the people who are actually backing and supporting him. The fact that Elon Musk assisted him rolling out his campaign. You got to think this is a Republican and Elon Musk is helping him roll out his campaign on Twitter. How much money is Elon Musk going to put behind Ron DeSantis? People like Joe Rogan, biggest podcast in the country, said he would never talk to Donald Trump on his podcast. But would he give Ron DeSantis an opportunity? These big players who have influence and money are supporting Ron DeSantis for a reason. And I think that we need to kind of step back and say, what is that reason? Let's be open-minded and may the best man win.
Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I think the people that want entertainment and want show, excuse me, showmanship and all that, I think that they're missing the independents in this conversation because I don't think that independents want a showman. Uh, I think that the reason that a lot of Democrats voted for Joe Biden in 2020 is because they wanted something that was, to use Trump's words, a little more milk toast. And I think that they see Ron DeSantis as somebody who is able to keep a level head and deliver results. And so I think it's going to be much easier for Ron DeSantis to flip independence just like he did in Florida. But there's another part of this conversation that's tricky to me. It's the whole loyalty conversation. Donald Trump, as we know, demands loyalty from everybody. But he doesn't really give that loyalty back. And I'm wondering if his supporters, which I include myself in that camp, are starting to see that and maybe pick up on it a little bit, especially after him going after Kayleigh McEnany last night. Yeah, I think that Donald Trump, you know, finds himself in a position where he is loyal to some people and some people he may not be loyal to. He seems emotional, though. Like, I like Donald Trump. I'm going to vote for him if he wins the nomination. And and like I, like I said, he's number one in, my, in the position right now. But I mean, I just don't understand this loyalty conversation. Competition is always great. I don't understand why Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump can't be on the same page together. Why can't they both compete and run and then work together to win against the Democrats? You know, loyalty to me is consistency. It's not necessarily whether you challenge me or not. It's whether you're consistent as a person and that I can respect your position. There is no way whatsoever, in my opinion, I don't know what's behind the scenes. Maybe they got some spout behind the scenes. People know something we don't know. But I don't think that there's a loyalty uh, a problem there because nobody cares about Vivek Ramaswamy running. Right. No, you know, it don't seem that he's he's attacking anybody else that's in the race. Well, then why is DeSantis the problem? I think because he know that DeSantis is a formidable opponent. But loyalty to me isn't that you worship me as the cult leader. Loyalty to me is that you're loyal to the country. And if Ron DeSantis is loyal to the country, then he's loyal to me. You know, and so right. I think that's the way that we should be looking at it. And we, we, I'll say this, Tommy, and I know some of your people probably get mad at me. My people get mad at me and I couldn't care less, but we need to stop worshiping cult leaders. Like, and I'm not saying Trump is a cult leader, but people are positioning him like a cult leader. Mm -hmm. The man is not God. He is not the end all be all of the American people. Like we need him to be viewed upon as a person who can represent our values. You either do that or you do not do that. And, and I want to just touch on this one point, my father, whom I respect dearly, my father is one of the most respectable men I know. And my father would not vote for Donald Trump because of his lack of leadership and decorum. My father is a man's man. My father is a leader. My father is a chief of a fire department and he's been in service for over 35 years. My father understands the value of not only having good policies, but also having good character. And that's one of the things that I think Donald Trump lacks. And a lot of people in the middle are saying the character is too much for me. We need somebody with policies and also with character. Another thing that worries me is that if Trump is not our nominee, he's going to do everything that he can to sabotage Ron DeSantis, which really bothers me. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Before I let you go, I have to play this clip from The View yesterday because I've been wanting your reaction to it. I mean, there were so many clips for these last couple of weeks that the ladies of The View have given us. But this one in particular on uh, who could eventually be maybe our president, God, I hope not, Kamala Harris and why it's racist not to support her. Let's take a listen. 
she's not really been able to do either. And I feel like she hasn't broken through on major policy accomplishments. And she will, fairly or unfairly, be the most scrutinized vice president in history because she's running with the oldest vice or the oldest president running for president. And in she's history. also a black woman. But I think you have to be able to fairly critique the vice president of the United States mm -hmm. without just saying it's the color of their skin or the fact she's a woman. But it, but it is part of it. Why, what makes you say that? Well, we're in the United States of America. But like with like someone like me saying it, do you, you think I could have a legitimate policy? Of no, you, 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 it's, it's, not it's, you. It's, 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 it's not you. It's just we're in the United States of America and, and, and black women, and this is just not me saying it. I mean, there have been studies. Black women are considered less articulate. Uh, they are considered uglier. They are considered all of these She's things beautiful, I by yeah. by by you know, this country. And it's because of the history, of course, of misogyny. So let's get this straight here. Because this is America, that's why we shouldn't be able to criticize Kamala Harris, because if we do, we're following the racist patriarchy. I'm very confused here. Uh, Sonny, let's make Sonny make sense. Well, she's dumber than a bag of rocks to start with. She pushes race agendas for no reason. Her son, currently as we speak is going to i think he goes to harvard like what are you actually saying if black people have such a disadvantage then why did the racist white man jump over you and your family i i, I don't understand that and kamala harris is just a poor uh, performer. She literally talks in circles and word salads every time she speaks. She has no merit. She has no charisma. She is the worst vice president to ever live. And, and to be honest, um, there's other black women who would do much better than her. It's just that for some reason they picked the worst amongst them. And, and I don't want to hear anybody say anything about, well, black women are this in America. Do, do, I want us to go and look at Barack Obama's book sales and Michelle Obama's book sales. I think Michelle Obama sold more books than any woman in American history. So if she's not articulate and she's too ugly to sell books, these people have become almost billionaires because of the love that America have for people who produce what they want to see. And, and like we had the black president, which is he's biracial, but they call him black. But we have, we have a biracial or considered black president. If America is racist, we would have never seen that before. Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court justice. Like, where is America racist at? The Democrats claim that half of their party is minority and diverse and white people are voting for them. So these people don't have an argument. People like Sonny Holston, she only know how to do, only thing she know how to do is push racism. She has no merit. She has no research points. She lies about the research. Oh, it's researchers. What, what research uh, indicated that black women are uglier? I mean, just <laughs> these people are nutty to me. I just think they don't have a good argument. And so they default to the race card and the misogyny card. And I think it's also important to point out that Kamala Harris did run for the Democrat nomination in 2020, and Democrats did not select her. So I guess Sonny is saying that the Democrat Party, which she proclaims to belong to, is actually the most racist of all. So there we go. Brandon, I always appreciate your commentary. I'll talk to you very soon. Uh, let's hope that our candidates just get it together, because I don't want to see a President Kamala. God help us. <laughs> for the love of God. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for having Brandon. me. Still ahead, we've put up with woke for the last five years, but finally, conservatives and just normal people have had enough. That's where the Public Square app comes in, and I've got the app's creator and CEO, Michael Seifert, up next. 
It's the last day of May, and if you thought the woke onslaught was bad this month, wait until Pride Month officially hits tomorrow. I hope you like rainbows because you're about to be red, orange, yellow, LGBTQ blinded. But luckily this year, there's an app for that. An app to help us normal folk avoid woke companies and spend our hard-earned dollars elsewhere. That's where Public Square comes in. After Bud Light and then Target did us dirty, the Public Square app literally broke the internet with an influx of patriots flooding, flooding to find the needle in the haystack, the holy grail, the non-woke company stores and corporations. Joining me now is the app's creator and CEO, Michael Seifert. Michael, it's great to have you. Thanks for having me, Tommy. Good to see you. So I imagine your app is more popular than ever. And as the weeks roll on by, I imagine it's just becoming increasingly more popular. So tell me when you founded this and how the last couple of months have impacted your downloads. Well, I originally had the idea for this app two years ago. And it's interesting because at the time when I was pitching it to friends and community members and anybody that I thought would maybe be interested, the resounding feedback was, this is really exciting and really cool, but are you sure the country's ready for it? Now, two years later, nobody asked me that anymore. Everyone is well aware that this is necessary and that the time is now. So had the idea two years ago. We launched nationwide 11 months ago. And I am proud to say that the last few months specifically have been uh, tremendous for the growth of this platform, largely because American patriots are waking up and saying, we're tired of this. We're tired of being lectured about gender ideology when we're trying to buy a cup of coffee or a pair of pants or a beer. Like enough is enough. We're done with this and we're ready to move our dollars toward companies that don't hate us. And it's pretty amazing to watch how this America's marketplace, this parallel economy has grown, but we're just getting started. It's exciting. Finally, and thank God, but I want to walk through the process here to get an understanding of, of how you make this app work. Okay, so it's an app that companies that are not woke are present on. So do these companies reach out to you to be added to the app, or do you just go through all the companies and go, all right, Target went tucking swimsuits. Okay, North Face had a drag queen dancing around. How do you go about adding or, I guess, disqualifying people from your app? Yeah, great question. We have five company core values that when a new business signs up, they agree to respect these values, meaning they're not going to spend time, money, or resource antagonistically against the values. And that helps our consumers know with a blessed assurance that they're not funding their opposition. And so, for example, if you go to publicsq.com right now or you download the app on iOS or Android, you'll see right on the featured page, which is the home screen, once you create your account, we have shopping guides, collections, buy ditch campaigns, where we'll show you a bunch of alternatives to many of the brands that you utilize when you go to Target. So we have a ditch Target shopping guide where we have trash bags, household utensils, uh, toilet paper, paper towels, clothing, all these different companies that have signed up with us that will help you fulfill your shopping needs without having to fund a company that wants to indoctrinate your kids. And so we have over 50,000 vendors on the platform. There really aren't many industries that we don't cover today. It's pretty incredible to watch how this has grown. So also a lot of the criticism sometimes of us finding a conservative alternative is that some of these companies are more expensive than say a Target. So are the companies present on your app, do they come in a variety of price ranges? Are they really comparable to somebody who really spent a lot of their hard-earned money at Target and getting their cleaning supplies and everyday essentials? Is that comparable on price point to some of the companies that you feature? Yeah, we certainly offer a varying price point scale and spectrum. What I'll say too is that majority of the businesses on the platform actually give discounts to the consumers for going there. 
So back when I had this idea originally, I ran a nationwide poll. I asked consumers from all different states around the country, different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, how many of you would drive 10 minutes farther or spend 10% more to spend money in alignment with your values? Because we're tired of woke corporations. Even two years ago, people started recognizing this. And 98% of these consumers said yes. And so the thought then was, well, if 98% are saying yes, they would go an extra effort to spend money in line with their values. What if we could make it even easier and we could actually go above and beyond and offer discounts? So not only would you not have to spend more, you could actually receive uh, some convenience factors and discount incentives to spend money with companies that don't hate you. And so I'm proud to say that while we definitely have a varying price point spectrum, we also really intentionally pursue this feeling like a community, a buyer's club where businesses offer exclusive discounts because you're a part of this community. There's trust involved in the transactions and that's really important. We have 90% plus also, Tommy, businesses on the platform that are small businesses. They make less than 10 million a year. They're humble, American-owned and operating businesses that want to serve their communities well and we're proud to support them i love it so here's what's interesting to me so in the last couple of months conservatives and christians by and large have been able to really tank bud light probably irreparably we're in the process of doing the same to target and a list of other companies that have decided to go woke especially in pushing transgender ideology on children so that to me says that there are a lot more conservatives in this country than the left than the democrats even realize. So what does this tell you about 2024? Is this going to be the year that conservatives finally get our head in the game? Because if we can take down Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, my God, we should be able to win a flipping election. Are you optimistic given the results that you've seen on your app and the consumer response? I am more than optimistic. I'm abundantly hopeful. I actually am filled with a lot of positivity as I look to the future. I mean, just this week, we, our app, Public Square, was ranked in the top five apps of the entire app store for over 72 hours. We were beating Amazon, Walmart, Instagram, all these different apps because the movement toward uh, patriotic shopping, shopping with America first companies that do not hate you, that will not indoctrinate your kids. It's so strong and it's growing day by day. You look at Target, a drop of $12 billion in their market cap in the past week. And then you look out at the political and cultural ramifications of this in country music and in different entertainment sectors. Not only do I feel positive about the election, I hope this correlates to a really tremendous amount of activism of people not only voting with their wallets, but also, of course, voting at the ballot box. I also get really excited about its ramifications for pop culture. You're seeing really notable country stars like Riley Green pull Bud Light from his songs because he's wanting to take a stand and stand with his audience that obviously has a lot of disgust as they look what these companies are doing. And you're seeing that happen in action sports. You're seeing it happen across different cultural environments that make me feel like America's heading into a new renaissance era. The last thing I'll say, too, is that you pair that also with a real desire to pursue more nationalism in our economic frameworks. Because right now, like we've based all of our manufacturing and supply chain on companies and countries that hate us, like China, for example. Well, China's in demographic collapse. And if COVID taught us anything, it's that we cannot trust our supply chain to countries that hate us. So not only are we seeing a rebuke of wokeism from consumer spending across all these different industries and environments, you're also seeing a real desire to support American businesses, the small businesses that make this country special. So 
You put those two together, and I think over the next few decades, we're going to witness, it is a long game, but I think we're going to witness a real move toward American-owned and operated companies that love the values that have built this nation, prospering in a way like we've never seen before. So I'm, I'm excited to say the least. I'm excited too. I'm optimistic. I hope we can translate all of this into our election strategy because this innovation that you have spearheaded along with many others in this space and in these communities, in these companies, I think that it is so promising if we can all just get on board. You know, it's funny. We often talk about the mob, right? Well, my suggestion is we've tried to beat the mob and that's had mixed results. So why don't we become our own mob? Right? I think that if we can't beat them, then why don't we play the game and do it better? And I think that that's a winning strategy. So congratulations to you on Public Square app. I encourage all my viewers to go download it and take a look at America First, America Loving Companies and Corporations. And God bless you for doing it. Thank you, Tommy. Appreciate you having me on. Of course. Still ahead, it's pretty clear everyone is allowed to have an opinion in this country except for straight white Christian males. My final thoughts are next. Here's my message to professional sports, all of them. Y'all need to make a decision, and now. Either you support your athletes having social and political opinions, or you don't. You don't get to pick and choose who is brave and who must apologize. It's time for Final Thoughts. So I wanted to write these final thoughts tonight about the brave Nationals pitcher Trevor Williams, who had the intestinal fortitude to speak out against the blasphemous drag nun freaks being reinvited and celebrated at the upcoming Dodgers Pride Night. Trevor Williams said what 90% of baseball players are thinking, that they do not support their league supporting grown men dressed in nun drag, stripping around mocking the Christian and Catholic faith. Thank goodness he did say something, and now others are following suit. I wanted to celebrate that tonight, the changing of the tide, wherein conservative and Christian athletes feel emboldened to speak their minds like their counterparts on the woke radical left always have and always will. But my excitement and my optimism was cut short. My parade was rained on by, well, the Rainbow Mafia, when I saw this statement from my friend, Blue Jays pitcher Anthony Bass. Anthony, a good Christian man, father of two, including an adopted daughter with another baby on the way, was all but forced to make a BS statement after posting a reel to Instagram regarding the Christian boycott of Target and other child sexualizing brands in stores. Take a listen. I recognized yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine, and I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates and shared with them my actions yesterday. I apologize with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays resources to better educate myself, to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark, and we, and we want to welcome everybody. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Horse crap, bull crap, name an animal, its crap is represented in this situation. His social media story was hurtful to the gay community? Are you freaking kidding me? It was nothing of the sort. But since Bass plays a professional sport, and worse, a professional sport in the Communeland country of Canada, he was prodded out there in front of the press to make a statement. Like I said, Anthony is a friend of mine, and while I wish I could roast him for backing down, for cowering to the mob, I know the name of this game. 
Baseball is his job. It's a job and a dream he's worked his whole life for. He has a pregnant wife and two little girls at home. And he knows, like I know, that if he didn't toe the line, his ass would be on the chopping block in one way or another, regardless of his ERA or performance on the team. Because that's the effed up, upside down world we live in now. I don't, and I never have seen any of the players who support BLM or Joe Biden or the LGBTQ barbecue mafia ever having to apologize, not once, not one frickin' time. Every major and minor sport has a pride night. That's thrust on these players, whether they believe in it or not. Same thing during the great kneeling spree of BLM social justice riot summer. It's pretty clear everyone is allowed to have an opinion in this country, except for straight white Christian males, and it's horse crap. My husband played for the Blue Jays, and I know how they move. Thank goodness we weren't together when he did play for them because he'd be apologizing every two seconds. So again, I'll say this to the whole lot of commissioners and owners of professional sports. Pick a lane. Either you support your athletes having social and political opinions, or you don't. You don't get to pick and choose who is brave and who must apologize. And you know, I'd much prefer these athletes just get to play their sports because that's what most of them want to do. Cut the crap. But if these organizations are hell-bent on pushing politics, then we need more athletes with the intestinal fortitude to stand in their beliefs even when it's hard. Imagine if every Christian or conservative player did this because they can't cancel 80% of the MLB strength in numbers. Never bow to the woke mob. Beat them at their own game. Create your own mob. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless. Take care.